Um, and let us raise our voices in praise to God. Please join me in reading Galatians 6, 9, and 10. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Thank you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You know, Steve, you did not steal my thunder because it's God's. And you know, God is there in the days that you're going through terrible things and you're losing a loved one. You see them breathe their last. He's there when you think that everything's going great. And he's there when you think he's not. Today I would like to take a look at a lady that is only in one chapter of the Bible. I would like to take a look at this person and kind of look at what happens when God impacts a person and what happens to some of the other ones that are in the story when they're impacted by God and what their reaction to God is. Because I think sometimes we lose sight as Christians that day by day, every single day, we're impacted by God. And what do we do with that? Do we let it really internalize? Let's bow our heads today with a short prayer to ask God to be with me as I pre present today. Father in heaven, I've been around Lake Michigan in the last 24 hours. I've been with my children trying to make sure that they're well. I've driven through rain and sand and wind and all kinds of things, but dear Father, nothing Nothing is as grand as being with you the whole time. Dear Father, as our church has gone through many things, many, many things over the past number of years, we know that you've been there the whole time, but dear Father, as we look at the life of Lydia, I pray that you'll help us to understand that you are there no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 16. I'm just going to start off and then I'll, I'll kind of get back into this chapter a little bit later. But Paul went also to Derbe and to Lystra, where a disciple was by the name of Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews that were in that place, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Apparently, there was a little bit of a rift because they thought he was Greek. As they went from the town to town, they delivered to them the observance and the discussions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is the headquarters of the church during this time. So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. Now, I don't know about you, but I just drove uh, probably over 800 miles, and you do it um, in just you know, a little bit more than 20-some hours. Um, they didn't have cars. And so if you look at some of the things that were going on here and you say, oh, that's not really a big space, they did it by foot, by boat, 
and by horseback and by sometimes chariot. And if you look at the area and how they did that, um, can you imagine traveling 15 to 30 miles a day? I mean, you go back just about 100 years in the United States, and 15 to 30 miles was a full day's trip sometimes, depending on how your transportation was. So today, when we look at this story, we are looking at it from our lenses, but just take into consideration that everything took time, and there were no hotels. There were just places to stay of people that you might know or might not, but everyone took people in. So today, I would like to look at this chapter and see how when God approaches somebody, something changes in them. Today, I'm going to talk about Lydia. She was of a guild, which means that she was of a profession that dyed purple. I don't know how many of you have ever tried to make a material into a different color. Um, typically, the easiest way to make something of a different color is to dye it so many colors that it turns black anyhow, because that's been my experience a couple times where it just did not turn out. How many of you have ever done tie-dyeing? That's kind of fun, isn't it? And uh, there's a lot of different things you can do when you make designs and things like that. But to have a quality color that is uniform is really, really hard. It's really, really hard to do that because sometimes you'll have part of it that's darker and part of it that's lighter. Well, this guild was so good that they knew how to make things for royalty. In fact, if I had to explain it any other way, Lydia was probably like somebody um, famous maybe because she was actually not in her town. She was probably like a person named maybe Vera Wang, somebody like that. She was very, very popular because of the way that she dyed these purples. And it was not just for everybody. Not everyone could afford it because you see what happens is they would take this one kind of shell, they would smash it into powder, they would add water to it, and then they would baptize it. That's the word that's used in the, in the New Testament, baptize it. They would put it down in the water. Now, ladies, if you are dyeing something, usually we put gloves on, correct? What if they don't? Your hands become that color. So what usually would happen with these ladies that were in these guilds? They would have hands that were probably purple, or they would pay somebody to do it. This lady, I don't know. Uh, she seems to be pretty uh, well-known, so who knows? But I can imagine purple hands. Can you imagine raising purple hands in church? Some of you would be like, eh, no, not really. <laughs> but you see, that's where the word baptize, they use it over and over again. To baptize means to put underneath the water and submerge totally. And I think that this story is trying to teach us a couple things. Because as we go on, we'll see that people become noted um, not because of what they do, but because of who they know, Jesus Christ, and it changes them in a way that is almost like the dye. It goes to every single fiber, and it stains it for the good. How many of you, when you first met Jesus Christ, you were go, you would just, I mean, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you were like, Jesus, 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 everything, right? What stopped? I don't want to guilt anybody today, but what stopped? I think it's sometimes interesting how things stop because we become used to something. When we get used to it, sometimes we say, ah, maybe I don't need to pay attention to it as much. So let's read on in here. When they are looking at all the things that are happening and the daily numbers of the church rose, then this happened. 
When they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, which is Asia Minor, having forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia Minor, when they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow it. So passing by Mysia, they went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision and stood a man of Macedonia pleading with them and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, he immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God was calling him to proclaim the good news to them. How many of you, if all of a sudden at night or even in a nap while you're taking this afternoon, all of a sudden would say, I would like you to go over to this small little country and I would like you to preach the gospel? How many of you would be like, yes, let's go pack? <laughs> so this is what happens. He set sail for Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace. The following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia a Roman colony. We remained in the city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate of, by the river, and we supposed it was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer of purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household, listen to this, when she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If we have judged me in, to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. If you look at this, it just looks like come to my house. A household is different, though, in this time. A household is not only a house, relatives, but it also is your employees, it is your business, it is everything. And so what she is saying is basically I am giving everything that I have, my business, my house, my relatives, whatever, I'm the leader in this house, and guess what? We're all going to accept Jesus Christ. And then if I have been found as a follower of Jesus Christ, will you please come stay at my house? I want to hear more. This is a wonderful thing. And it kind of cuts the story. I think probably... Whoever is writing this story has ADHD, like I used to have as, you know, all of a sudden in the middle of the story. But it ties in. It ties in wonderfully if you look at it carefully. One day as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her, her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. And these, like I said, in the past, these young ladies would be given drugs and uh, they would be able to prophesy and things like that. Usually it was evil spirits and things like that, but you wouldn't want somebody doing what happens next. While she was out, these men are slaves of the most, she would say, she would follow them, and uh, being a fortune teller, she would follow Paul and us, and she would cry out, these are slaves of the most high God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. Now, is that a bad thing? Is she telling the truth? She's actually telling the truth. But everybody knows that she is a diviner. She is one of those that maybe not the greatest of spirits. So this is what happens. But Paul, very much annoyed. I mean, can you put yourself in his shoes? You hear this lady following you all the time. These men are the most high God. 
Not that it's fault, but I don't want you following us around because you are not of the Most High God. Paul, being very much annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, not to her, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. You see, just a second here. You have two people coming in contact with God almost at the same time. You have Lydia. You have this lady, too, that is following and saying, these are the people of the Most High God. And then you have the owners. When they come in contact with God, there is acceptance of some people. They're like, right away, I love God, and that's the way it is. And then when they come in contact with God, some, when they're in contact with God, become angry. This one was over money because they had this lady that would make money for them. But there's two kinds of people in this story, and it seems like the ones that are accepting of Jesus Christ, the followers of God, they accept Jesus, just that's the way it is. It's, oh, praise God, and the other ones get angry. And it didn't make sense to me as I read. It didn't make sense to me whatsoever. And then I started to realize that the Bible is talking over and over and over again about the transformation of God's people when they come in contact with God. You see, the story of Lydia is a bunch of parallels to our journey in life. In fact, the story of Lydia talks about our conversion, and then there are things that subtract the time that we have with God so fast like that. They distract us, distract us, distract us. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves going on a journey that we never thought we'd make. Here's the map of where they were. Uh, In the yellow is where uh, she's from. And if you look at where they started, it's probably north of Syria, um, up in Galatia, which is now known as Turkey. And uh, they had to travel this road, which the road was actually pretty well done. I mean, a lot of commerce was along that trail. I mean, the Romans did really well with roads. Uh, Then when they got up to Troas, which is up near the top, um, then they would sail across And then you see Philippi is just a little bit north. They'd have to do a little bit of footwork. But can you imagine being over here, and it's not a car, you're just walking or you're in some other form of transportation. You're days and days away, but you have this dream, I've got to go. You head out immediately. And then when you get there, finally, I mean, how many of you have ever been tired after a trip? Today I feel a little loopy, I'll be honest with you. Um, When there's rain and stuff like that at night, it makes your eyes a little crossed, it's kind of wild, and you get a little dizzy. But when it clears out and all of a sudden you're at your destination, oh, it feels so good. It feels so good to be at your destination. And not only their destination, they have a couple days to relax and all of a sudden Sabbath is there and they're like, ah, let's go find a place of prayer. Usually they were along rivers because people worship the rivers or they were where the sun rose, or something like that. So they went, and they went on purpose. It wasn't just to pray. Steve, prayer is wonderful, even if the answer is no. Okay? It's amazing because we're in conversation with God. And so all of a sudden, they show up at this river, and they're like, it's a place of prayer. And then they see these people selling on the Sabbath, 
And they started having conversations. And as they have a conversation with these people, all of a sudden they realize that these people love God. And as they're sharing with Jesus Christ with these people, all of a sudden you see in their face, oh, this is wonderful news, and they're drinking it in like the river that's beside them, just drinking it in. And they accept Jesus, and all of the business that's there with that one lady and probably others, they all follow Jesus and were baptized. This to me is a little cool they were baptized, and they were already baptizers of purple. You see, they understood what baptism was. It wasn't just going down into the water, coming up and saying, praise Jesus. It was going down into the water and absorbing all of the color and all of the nutrients and the wonderfulness of what was going on and becoming something different. And when they were baptizing the stuff that they were going to sell, it became of so much worth that only the aristocrats and only the royalty could afford it. Do you realize that the story is telling us that the gospel of Jesus Christ is so important that it is like infusing the color purple into something and it becomes more wonderful and more worth than anything else on the planet? And if it's worth more than anything else... What are we willing to give up for it? I looked at the, just the different colors of purple. I mean, I couldn't even come up with what purple looked like after a while. Have you ever looked at a color and then all of a sudden you have no idea what color you're looking at? I started off with kind of a royal purple and then I was like, ooh, I kind of like the blood red purple. Ooh, that's kind of cool. But then this one was like a painting purple and I was like, oh my, this is wonderful too. Before long, I had 30 some pictures of what purple was like and I was like, I'm gonna confuse everybody because I'm confused right now. I don't even know what the color purple looks like anymore. But they knew exactly the color and hue it would take to make it look wonderful and royal. A little background with Lydia, she was a merchant she is not in her hometown, but she was trained by the best of the best. She's a successful businesswoman, but she has an emptiness in her heart. And that emptiness is that she does not really have God, but she worships God, but she does not have something filling her in a way that would make it meaningful. She's driven by ambition. She's driven by materialism and significance and all that, but it's just not quite there until she hears the message of Jesus Christ and it breaks through every fiber in her body. And she goes, that's what I've been missing my entire life. That's the significance I've been looking for. And if I could take a little poetic, uh, poetic license, um, I think maybe she was more popular than Gucci or Chanel. Because people knew about her everywhere. And yet when she found God... He was number one. He was number one, and after having number one, um, she wasn't satisfied with anything else. I would say that she is the equivalent of anything that is very, very popular and not just a flash in the pan either. Today is really a fast-paced society that we live in. We chase after success. We have financial security and recognition that we're always looking for, yet we find ourselves yearning for something deeper and more meaningful. I think we're right alongside that river with Lydia going, there's something more. Lydia's heart was open to God's message. When the Apostle Paul and his companions shared the gospel by the riverside, her heart responded. It wasn't emotion. It was her heart that responded. 
You see, there's a difference between your emotion and your heart because your heart is connected to your brain and it keeps you alive too. So something infiltrated her heart and went into her brain and said, this is what you've been looking for. Get every bit of it you can. In fact, in Acts 16, 14, her openness to allow the seeds of faith uh, to take root were just wonderful. Just as Lydia's heart is open, we too must cultivate open hearts. We must be receptive to God's Word, and we can't stop that just because we think we have the message of Jesus Christ. We can't stop it. We have to be open every day and must cultivate it, and we must look and be filled with everything that is God in the distractions and noise that's all around us. It's essential to create a space that God's message can enter our lives and stay there. From a dream to go somewhere new to the shore of a river, a place in a foreign land, both presenter and listener fell in love with God again. Lydia didn't stop at merely hearing the gospel. How many of you, once you hear something, you're like, oh, that's great, and you kind of tell a couple other people, and in about a week it's gone. I mean, I'm, honestly, that's, that's me. But this encounter was different. You see, as it filled her heart, her life changed her life starts to reflect the teachings. Her life becomes dedicated to Jesus, and then the die takes hold, and it goes to every fabric of her life. And so she becomes something that she wasn't before, and she goes, hey, guys, why don't you just come over to my house and stay? You can teach from there. You know why? Because, well, I'm from Thyatira, and I know what it's like to make somebody's life different. If you look at that town, too, you realize that she is interesting in, in just her name alone. Ancient Greek city called Palapia, or Samaramis, and then later on it was Thyatira. Uh, during the Hellenistic period, about 290, it, it changed uh, over to that. So this, it's probably in between two names at this time, so they, they named it Thyatira. What it really means, it was an old, old... Um, old, old word from a place called Lydia, and it means daughter. So even in the name, you see that there is a daughter that is a daughter of the king that is awaiting to become something very, very important. Even in this time period, looking at all the stuff that the meaning of this, my daughter is going to be able to hear the message of Jesus Christ, and she is going to become a child of a king again. It's just uncanny, the little teeny nuances that are in every single story in the Bible. In fact, if you look at this, you notice that her influence is not just with herself, it's with her business, her employees, and everyone she comes in contact with. Because if she's baptized, her business is baptized, her family is baptized, her friends are baptized, she influences all to be baptized. The one that baptizes cloth into purple became the one that was baptized by God. I thought this quote was really good. Love for God and for fellow men should be the only fuel to power every Christian work. You know what love looks like? It's not all warm and feel, touchy-feely all the time. Sometimes it says no. Sometimes it says yes. 
Sometimes it doesn't say a thing because it just sits beside you while you're suffering or while you're having a great time. You see, hospitality is kind of an overflow of what love really is. Lydia's conversion was not only the personal transformation of her and her family and her character, she displayed hospitality by inviting Paul and the, command, and, and the companions to come over and live a generous life with her because she was well off. She didn't care. She wanted now to bless the ministry of Jesus. Today, we too can overflow with thanks. In fact, I have felt it. My family has felt it. My son has felt it. Lucas told me the other day, he says, Dad, I can't possibly thank everybody. I'm going to do as best a job as I can. Um, but I can't thank everybody personally. I want to. Because the thankfulness is more than just the emotion. It's what he is right now. He's thankful. Myself included, my wife and my daughter, it's hard to say thank you because we don't even know the Width, the width and breadth and whatever because we know that you've been praying for us the whole time. We know that you've supported us financially. We know that you've supported us with prayers, that you've actually showed up and just sat there sometimes, and you've even texted Lucas when he doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But like Lydia, when she embraced Christ, she found true joy and contentment. And we have experienced that contentment with some of you. I know some of you have lacked opportunity and you were afraid, some of you, because Lucas would bounce all around with, I can't see anybody because I have no immune system to, I'm strong and wonderful today. And um, as I read this story, I started to understand that the joy of salvation is usually lived while we're embracing Jesus Christ. And when we embrace Jesus Christ, we start to embrace others around us, even if we don't understand it ourselves. We cry with people. We laugh with people. In fact, this week with wonderful news, you know, four million cells in his uh, bone marrow being tested and not one cell being cancer. That's an hallelujah. Like, I can't even, I mean, a parent, you can't really, I can't express that. And then Sunday, doing a funeral with friends. It's an interesting life that a pastor has, but it's an interesting life that we as Christian have, Christians have because the gift of hospitality brings us from the praise Jesus, it's wonderful, the cancer's gone, to we're mourning the loss of another one of our friends. All with the expectation like Paul was preaching about that Jesus is coming soon. We are all changed by the message of Jesus so wonderfully that it is hard to understand and hard to communicate what it really means. The world says you love me, that means you accept what I do and who I am, and it's not true. We accept you, but we know that you are going to be changed by Jesus Christ. Because here is the crux of this story today, that as Christians, if we're not daily transformed by God and we're changing constantly, we are missing out on the fact that God can experience with us a life of change. In doing so, we can experience the joy of salvation as vessels in his hand, like a light that goes out to the community. Let us strive to emulate Lydia's faith and hospitality as we journey together as Seventh-day Adventists, seeking to transform our own hearts and our own lives as we bless others. You want to transfer your life and you want to get closer to Jesus Christ? Help someone. 
you'll find out how fast that you're really lacking because it is a really weird act to help someone else. It is strange. But as you help someone else, you realize that you don't have any advantage over them. You don't have any advantage over them at all. But you're right there in the same ditch helping them. Maybe they have a stuck leg or maybe they have some kind of emotion that's going on right now that prevents them of even getting out of the ditch. But you're like, come on, let's do it together. And you grab a couple more friends and you push and shove. And before long, you don't even know there's a ditch around because you're doing things together. Like Lydia it encapsulizes what we are as Christians. We're always changing as we encounter the message of Jesus Christ. Always changing. The day that we say, I've arrived and that I don't need to study the Bible anymore, just look at Acts. I started reading Acts a number of months ago and I've, I'm already in my third time because I'm like, whoa, there's so much in there. The Acts of Jesus Christ working in the lives of people. I cannot imagine what is going on because Let's do a recap. Timothy is introduced in this one. A young lady that is a diviner that is converted. Lydia and her household were introduced here. Paul and Silas, and I'm saving the best for the last, by the way. Paul and Silas were introduced here. And there's one last story. Let's go back to 16, and I'll just read it, and I'll leave you with that. That little interruption. One day as they were going to the place of prayer, he met a slave girl. Oops, I already read that one. Let's go down a little bit further. And they realized that they could not make money anymore, so Paul, they dragged Paul and Silas into the marketplace before the authorities, and they had them brought before the magistrates, and they said, these men are disturbing our city. They're disturbing our city, they're Jews, and they are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had been beaten a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. How many of you would be praying and singing if you're in stocks? Uh, I want you just to try this. Not, don't do it really hard because you might kick the person in front of you. But hold your feet up underneath the pew. Hold it up underneath the pew. Just for a few minutes. Just hold that up underneath the pew. Imagine doing that half the night. You feel it? Half the night. And they're praying and singing hymns. The prisoners were listening to them. You can put them down anytime you want. If you want to, you know, if you want to have pain, that's fine. Suddenly there was an earthquake. So violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken. This is no small earthquake. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. That's really a shaking. The jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open. He drew his sword. He was about ready to kill himself. So he supposed that the prisoners had escaped, but Paul shouted with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He heard them singing. 
What must I do to be saved? They answered, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Here's another household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all that were in the household. At the same hour and that night, he took them and washed their wounds and he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them and the entire household rejoiced. He became a believer in Jesus Christ. How many of you, if you went to prison and you praised Jesus, all of a sudden the whole precinct is baptized? That is the weirdest story I've ever heard. And every single person that was supposed to be in that jail stayed in the jail. Even if it was just rattled and, I mean, just messed up. Because not only the jailer, but the people that were listening around knew that something was different. You see, your influence goes a lot further than you think. And the story goes on to say that uh, as they are uh, asked to leave by the magistrates because the magistrates were a little embarrassed, they said, uh, would you really like to do this to Roman citizens? And they're like, what do you mean Roman citizens? And they're like, well, I'm a citizen of Rome, and you wrongfully accused me, and you punished me without a trial. Would you like to have me communicate with your higher-ups? And it says they were embarrassed, and they were scared out of their minds and begged them to leave the city. But they didn't. They preached some more. It's amazing to me that the world we live in is just waiting for us to talk about Jesus. Is just waiting for us to, like Lydia, have hospitality and look at people in the eye and say, you know what, you're missing something that you don't even know you're missing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He is the one that heals people, and yes, he's also the one that lets some people die, but he is a wonderful God. Do you want to hear about him? And people, when they hear about him, the Holy Spirit starts to whisper. And when he starts to whisper, he doesn't only change the people we're talking to, but he changes us. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, thank you for this story of Lydia. Dear Father, as the prisons were opened, as Paul and Silas were let out, they knew where they were welcome. And dear Father, I know the end of that chapter says, and they went to talk to Lydia and the brethren because they knew that they were home. Dear Father, I pray that you'll be with us as we are influencing those around us and as we have people show up here at church that they will know that when they come through these doors, they're home, that you'll give us the gift of hospitality. Dear Father, I also pray that you will give us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that when we share Jesus, that people will feel thirsty. Be with us, dear Father, now as we go to our homes and dear Father, as we go with one another to share experiences outdoors and other places. I pray, dear Father, everywhere we go that you will be right there with us. In Jesus' name, amen.